I'm going to invite you as uh, we uh, prepare for the message to turn to Matthew chapter 2 and invite you to stand as we read this passage together. I'm actually uh, taking a little turn. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. This is a little more familiar if you grew up like me, kind of an old person. You, you remember this a little bit better this way, so I thought I'd read it this way. But uh, just a reminder that next Sunday we will indeed have services here. Uh, it's the Lord's Day. It's Christmas Day, and so it's right and proper that we gather and so we will be here at 10 a.m. will be a combined service and we'll be also joined by uh, the Elyria campus and we'd love to have you and it'll be a marvelous day of, of celebration as we anticipate uh, celebrating Christ's birth. But from the Gospel of Matthew, we've been looking at uh, the Gospel throughout this Advent season. Chapter 2, this is what we read. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense and myrrh then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod they departed for their own country another way may God add his blessing to that word please be seated you know we've all known people in our lives who in some way just overflow with wisdom uh, when you're with them, they just have a remarkable way of impacting you and their, their words, their lives, their actions. They, that when you are with them, you walk away and you say, I would like to be more like them. That's the kind of person I would like to be. One of the people in my life was a man named Dr. Dennis Kinlaw. He was president of Asbury, where Mary and I attended college. He was a, a brilliant pre preacher. He was the president of the institution. But my senior year, I remember a girl named Linda stood up at the senior chapel, and she said the first time that she had visited the campus and sat through the chapel that Dr. Kinlaw was preaching. Well, she didn't pay much attention. She played around a little bit with a friend, doodled on an envelope. And when the service was over, however, her mother, who had been watching her this whole time, grabbed her by the arm, took her out of that little, uh, out of the chapel, and 
said to her, Linda, you're going to have the privilege over the next four years to hear what this man says. You get to act your act together. You pay attention to his preaching because if you listen, his preaching will change your life. Well, she said, you know, I didn't forget that confrontation with my mom. And so the next time when Dr. Kinlaw got up to preach, I did listen. And I found out something. My mom was right. And my life was changed. He didn't captivate me with jokes or cute illustrations. He just opened the scriptures and gave us truth. And the power of his preaching made Christ real to me. To this day, when I think of Dr. Kinlaw, who is now going home with the Lord, I think that was a great man of wisdom, a wise man. I must tell you, as a pastor, I want to be wise too. A number of years ago, after a Christmas Eve service in this room, I, I was kind of just uh, fixing things up for the next service, and I happened to find an envelope near the front. It was filled with doodles, and evidently some young lady had written the name Giorgio on the envelope several times. Apparently, he had probably captured her attention and maybe affections that week. But there was something else written on that envelope, and I saw it in big, bold letters. She had written, Boring Pastor Jeff. Well, I laughed when I first saw it, but you know, I thought that stupid envelope bothered me the rest of the night into the Christmas celebration because I would really like to be the kind of pastor that a young person can listen to and understand. And while I give you this, I'm not the most captivating speaker. I hope that somehow through my life and words that I demonstrate to them and this congregation, that it is great to love God and make it the passion of your life to follow him because he already loves us so very much because that is true wisdom. Paul writes in Ephesians this, he says, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. In a distant nowhere land, 2,000 years ago, the desert wind has begun to blow the grains of sand against the walls of a nameless city. The sun that shone down that particular day had made its retreat over the horizon, yet darkness had not completely fallen, and from our vantage point, we see what appears to be a caravan making its preparation for a journey. Men are saying goodbye to their families. Servants are packing supplies. Camels are being given fresh water, indicating a long journey awaits. Just a, a few seconds pass by as we suddenly get a glimpse of the shadow of a man who comes running from the city wall. Over the boisterous desert wind, we can just hear him cry out, there it is, there it is, the star, it's shining as bright as ever. It's time to go. Let's be on our way. With haste, the caravan begins its trek, leaving the comforts of home behind, not certain of its destination. They know this, there'll be no more soft bed. There'll be no more home-cooked meals. No more playing with the children in the back. No more clean clothes to wear. All this in exchange for an all-out battle with nature, facing the intense desert heat of the day and the conquering cold of the frigid desert nights. Surviving on meager supplies and whatever could be hunted, 
a caravan leaves the walled city, heading out into the barren landscape, journeying to who knows where. All this for what? To find a baby. To find a king. This morning, I, I want to suggest to you that if you're having trouble figuring out what it means to walk as a wise man, to walk in wisdom, the story we've read this morning, I think, is a pretty good picture of, walking, of what walking in wisdom looks like. The Bible tells us that these are the wise men, the magi from the east. And by doing so, it gives us a clear picture of what, in fact, we can become. And so this morning, I want to ask a very simple question. What made the wise men wise? What made them an important part of the Christmas story etched in the history of Christianity for, his, for, for eternity? Well, there are some things I'd like us to, to consider. The first thing I would point out to you is this. These wise men acted on the vision that had come to them. They say, we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, if you think about it, this star would have been seen all over the earth. It had blazed its glory in such a sense that everyone could have seen it. It most likely, however, we, 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 it is the star that these wise men saw. If you think about it, the, the Egyptians to the west, they were the stargazers, the finest stargazers the world had ever known. People in Israel would have seen that star. In Syria, in Europe, they saw it too. But we don't hear anything that they did in response to seeing that star. They are lost in history. Because when day arrived, when the sun came up, they went on with their lives. The star was nothing more than a spectacle, a pretty light to look at. Boy, you know, there's something about pretty lights this time of year. If you want to see some spectacular displays, uh, go to the home of Norman Michelle Rados. We went over there last night and saw the, the, the it's just fabulous what they've done. Or Angelo and, and, and Lynn Nuzo, they, they've done something as well. And we, we visited last night over there as well, just to kind of do the family thing. But, but it, it's incredible, man, the, the effort they put in, the expense, the, the beauty. And people will come from miles around to see them. We like pretty lights. You know, uh, that's the way some of us, in fact, have been living our lives. For years, we've seen the light. We've heard the preacher talk about salvation. We've heard him develop a, an understanding of a, what it is to have a personal relationship with Christ. You can even keep coming to church. You've been here. Maybe you're faithful. For you, church makes you uh, respectable. It, it makes you feel better, perhaps. It introduces you to some nice people. The music is okay. The pastor is tolerable. For you, this religion is, is something pretty to look at. And I've got nothing better to do on a Sunday morning, so I'll come to church. And yet when Monday morning rolls around, nothing's different. The light that you saw is a memory. 
and you go on. Life as usual. It seems to me that these wise men teach us something very, very critical. We have seen his star and have come. Because, friends, it's not the light that we see, but the light that we follow that makes us wise. The wise men were wise not because they saw the light. A lot of people see the light. They were wise because they followed it. We have seen his star and have come. At Christmas time, we all get excited about the Christmas story. And it's a rather touching story about a baby, a mother and father, and a world so full of problems. And, you know, who doesn't like to talk about babies and their innocence and their beauty? The world doesn't mind talking about Jesus in a manger. He's a pretty light to look at the baby he's harmless but what we have to consider and let me remind you that the baby Jesus in a manger grew up and the focus of his preaching was this follow me come after me deny yourself take up your cross daily and follow me and the wise person says yes Lord I will follow you And so the wise men were wise because they acted on the vision that they saw. But you know, I see something else in this passage that made them wise. You know, when the long journey was over, after what could have amounted to years of searching, the star finally stood above the place where the Christ child was. You know, I can't help but wonder what I would have done that night in Bethlehem you know, I, I, I think I would have been mighty surprised to learn that the king was born in a stable uh, and not a palace. He was, uh, he was the child of two peasants, not members of a great royal family. Remember when, when the Bible tells us here that they first went to Herod in Jerusalem at the palace because that's where they expected the baby to be born, in a palace with all the trimmings. But what would I have done when I saw the baby for the first time? Well, what do you normally do when you see a baby? The other night we went over to visit Pastor Adam and Sarah. They were kind enough to invite us, and so we saw their new baby, their precious little Gwen. How many of you have seen her? No, you haven't because we have, and, you know, they haven't invited you. She's beautiful. And Sarah, of course, was kind enough to let us hold her. Uh, and I was holding her until she left a deposit in her diaper and I gladly surrendered her back. But, uh, but when we see a baby, what do we want it to do? We, we want it to smile. We, we tickle her under the chin, use baby talk. Oh, you cute little thing. You know, you, you, you get, your voice gets real high and you do all these kinds of things. My, my Caleb, the oldest son of mine, uh, he was such a smiley baby. And we just had so much fun. And I remember those days so fondly. When they get a little older, we, we get on the ground, we crawl with them, we, we say, let's play. Can, can you say my name? And you, 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 you experience life in a whole new way. Now, I don't know what these wise men did when they first saw the child. Maybe they did hold him in their lap. 
he was probably three or four years old. Maybe they, they, they got him to, to, to play something in the backyard. But I do know this. The scripture says they came into the house. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. They knew that this was no ordinary baby. This wasn't a baby you just held and tried to tickle. This was a king worthy of adoration. These wise men were wise because they understood that Jesus is worthy of our worship. Philippians 2 says, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so let me ask you this morning, in coming here today, shoot, throughout this whole Christmas season, have you worshipped him? Really worshipped him? Gave him your singular attention, your affection, confessed to him that you love him and appreciate all the mercies that are new every day. Listen, every, every Sunday morning, just like clockwork, 9.15, 11 a.m., we start out with some praise songs. We have a couple of announcements. The choir might sing. We say a prayer. The pastor reads the scripture. We listen politely to the sermon. We all know the routine. We've been through it. But have we worshiped? Do we let God know that we love him? How, how grateful we are for the benefits and the blessings of who he is and what he's done through Christ. How hungry we are for his presence. And notice it's not about the music played. The, 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 there's no indication that the wise men needed music to worship. It was about their hearts. It was about their attitudes, their focus. Can you say this morning that you've actually taken the time where, where you've seen his light, you've experienced his light, you've followed his light, and because of the change that's occurred, that you've come to worship him? I realize I have a tendency to come into this place and maybe act all too familiar with Jesus. You know, sometimes in our effort to make Jesus approachable, in our effort to make him seem like our friend, we make him out to be just this buddy-buddy that just hangs out with us no matter what we're doing. And While Jesus certainly did come in human form, he became a man, that is true, we forget also that he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and he is not some baby that can be simply manipulated into doing what we want him to do. No, the wise men saw Jesus for who he was. They realized that God was doing something incredible and they gave this child holy reverence. And I suspect that in our churches today and in our church, we need that this morning. We need to worship because he is worthy. Now, they expressed worship in a way that seems to me to also be an important lesson for us to be wise when they saw the light, these wise men not only followed the light, they not only worshiped, but you'll notice they brought gifts. They not only bowed their knees, they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
many of us get caught up in giving gifts this time of year. We go shopping and we make out our list and we make sure we've got everything checked off. Mary, my wife, is always really careful to count the gifts that we give to the kids to make sure that they get an equal amount. You know, God forbid they get an extra one or one shy. It's just the way we do things. If I get three gifts, I need to give her three gifts. That's the way it kind of works. And Now, of course, we, we give gifts because we love each other. But this Christmas, will you give anything to Jesus? Now, 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 hold on, this is not another message about tithing and the importance of giving money to ministry. But I do want you to know this. The reason the Bible talks so often about giving is because God really wants our hearts. Where your treasure is, Jesus said, there your heart will also be. The heart will always follow where you give. And so I believe a wise person is going to make a priority of, of giving to God. And yeah, maybe that means finances. But maybe as we think about a new year, maybe some of us are called to give him the gift of consistency. There's so many people in our church, especially in light of COVID, who I know maybe show up to church about once a month. They, they got out of the habit. It's become distant for them. Maybe, maybe you will say, Lord, I will give you consistency in my worship. I'm going to be there. Many, many of you will say, well, Lord, this year, when, when I, I want to give you my talents. I want to serve you. I, I'm going to start finding a way to use the gifts you've given me to make a difference in our community. And so maybe you'll lead a small group or help with the Sunday school, help the children's ministry. You see, the only gift that, that God really wants is the gift of yourself. And maybe you've been holding out. Well, after the long journey, after the worship, after the giving of the gifts, the Bible says that the wise men had a dream. And that dream warned them of Herod's scheme to kill Jesus. When I realized that, I, I realized something else that made these wise men wise. They were wise because... They didn't return home the same way they came. You see, after we encountered Christ, they went home different. In other words, they, they, they changed their direction. And so the point I want to leave you with is this. Friends, when we truly encounter Jesus Christ, something happens in us. When the Spirit begins to work, the sanctifying presence of the Holy Spirit purges us of sin and, and gives us a new spirit where we say, Lord, I, I want to live my life differently. I want to live my life completely for you. This morning, I believe there might be a man or a woman, maybe a young person who has been carrying a burden of shame around for a very long time. Maybe you've been hurt, but you're going to walk out of here the same way you came in don't God loves you he cares about you I had someone this week say Jeff I've done something and I'm not sure God can forgive me listen you can walk out of here forgiven because that's why Christ came 
If, if, if you ask me, it, 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 the truth is yes, there may be consequences to our sin, but don't come in and go out the same way. Maybe someone today is not honoring God in their relationships. You know that sex is a gift from God, reserved for marriage, but you will still walk out the same way you came in because sin has a holding power. But it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus wants to give you a new direction. And so I ask you, are you wise this morning? Have you found Christ and decided to follow him? It's the best Christmas ever when you make that decision. In the hills of Kentucky, there is a, a cave named Mammoth Cave. Some of you have been there. If you go to visit, they have a, a tour guide that will take you down the winding trail amid the stalactites and stalagmites where you can just hear the faint sound of water dripping in the background. When you reach the largest cavern, several hundred feet underground, the guide is going to point to the extension of electric lights that, that illuminate the cave. And then after a warning, he shuts those lights off. The blackness is thick and total. It is almost disorienting. You cannot see your hand in front of your face. Well, in the cave, after a few seconds of that complete blackout, the guy will do something. He'll light a match. A match that suddenly illuminates the entire cavern. You know, on that first Christmas morning, it may have seemed like one small match in a desperately dark place. But it was enough. And so would you be wise this morning? Listen, I'm not asking you, have you seen the light? The light is shining. John says that the darkness will not overcome it. My question is, will you follow it? Follow it with all your heart, your soul, your mind. This morning, can we go out a different way than we came in? More in love with Jesus more thankful for what he's done, confessing our sins and knowing that we're a part of his family. May the light shine this Christmas in your homes and in your heart. Let's pray together. Father, I, I thank you for this amazing story that reminds us that we too can be wise. That wisdom begins when we know who you are, when we seek you out, and we determine to follow you with our whole hearts. Lord, I pray that we might offer you the only gift that you want, and that is the gift of our total surrender to you. Lord, I know in this place, in this room right now, we can very easily tune out the preacher. Lord, forgive me as I may not be the most captivating. But Lord, I do pray that your spirit 
will be the hound of heaven this morning. And someone here who hasn't determined to follow that light would say it's time. They know it to be true. They know that light is real, but they've, they've held back. They think it will cost too much. Oh, Jesus, would you this morning reach into their heart and mind and life and remind them the glory that comes when we know that we're right with God, when we are part of the family, when we are given life and forgiveness and hope. May that light shine this morning brightly in our hearts. I pray this week, Lord, as we go about our business, as we get so busy with so many things, may we pause to worship you and celebrate what you've done. We pray this in your precious name. Amen.